Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, today I've got a very special guest. His name is Chris Parker, a Southern California native. He lives just outside of Disneyland and has been uh, connected to technology, websites, and internet addresses for 25 years. In the year 2000, he launched whatismyipaddress.com. You know, back then, this was a very new field, but today it's got over 9 million visits a, a month, which is huge. Um, Chris realized that as technologies advanced, individuals and businesses were falling victim to scams and cybercrime. And I, I think a lot of people have been scammed in their lives and would like to basically become of it. So Chris is developing as, as a website to help this and a podcast to help this. But his story is intriguing and amazing. So welcome, Chris. Thank you for having me on the show, Alan. Thank you so much for being here. Now, tell me, how did you get to where you're at now? How, tell me your story. So the the story starts with uh, working for a company, and we needed to know the IP address so we could send files to uh, one of our uh, partners back in the early days of the internet, back when it was Lycos and AltaVista, not Google, for searching. And... Uh, we couldn't find an easy way to figure out our IP address. And ultimately we figured it out. And I thought, you know, I, I, I have an internet connection at home. I can go ahead and start up a, a little website to do that. And I did that. And over a number of years, it grew from just random people visiting to me adding answers to frequently asked questions, became a, uh, a hobby, became a side hustle, and ultimately it became my full-time job. Wow, that, that is pretty amazing. You know, here's something that started as a very simple concept. But, but we got to remember back in the early 2000s, the internet was very difficult. I mean, we had dial-on connections back then. We had we, we couldn't get on like we do now. So that was a lot of foresight. So how did you have the foresight this was going to go someplace? I wish I could say that I had this uh, this foresight of the future and I just knew exactly where the internet was going. Uh, but that was actually not the that was not the case. It was just a solution to a problem that I was having. I found the solution and I made the solution available to other people, which I think is a lot about what the internet has historically been is, you know, here's information, here's solutions, here's questions and here's answers, and we're just gonna make it available to people for free. Yeah, and, and I think that's true. And and that is largely what people have done. But of course, when you offer something for free, there's there's other ways to make money off a site as well. Like there's advertising and things like that, that allows you now to turn a site into something that is a money generating site. Yep. And, and that's exactly what I did. Uh, originally started back using Google AdSense when they launched their platform and 
Uh, it's been a fun journey of learning how to monetize a site and learning that uh, people coming and looking for IP addresses aren't necessarily looking to buy stuff in the moment. Uh, but over the years, and as people have become more interested in privacy and security, there's all sorts of privacy and security products that we can recommend to people. And we get a little bit of commission when people buy that. And it's great because then I don't have to charge for the site. Yeah, that, that is huge. Yeah. And, and the big thing you started to realize is privacy, security, and, and scamming is a whole business unto itself because there's so much of problems with that going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I think a lot of us think of scammers as uh, some guy sitting in their, their mom's basement in a hoodie, uh, you know, trying to take advantage of people. And really, in the last couple of years, it has become crime syndicates and, and big business, not not big business in the sense of that, you know, we think here in the United States, but there are countries where they have set up call centers where there's 100 people employed uh, carrying out scams against people. And while we think of that as like, oh my gosh, they're taking advantage of people, uh, I, I think they're looking at more of like, I'm, I'm providing my family food. But it's become business. They have uh, performance improvement programs when the scammer isn't bringing in enough money. They've got the supervisors listening in on the calls and coaching them in the way that uh, maybe a call center here in the U.S. would do that uh, when they're selling computers. You know, that's so scary of how they've turned that into a big business on something that's so nasty and so takes advantage of people's, uh, it, it just is a terribly nasty thing to me, Chris. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and it's, it, it all starts with uh, exploiting, uh, a lot of it just starts with exploiting our brains, whether they're calling us, texting us, emailing us. Or in the old days, sending us a fact, a fax. They're, they're working to exploit the mechanics of our brain by using urgency, emotional triggers, authority to uh, circumvent our normal red flags that we would put up. And that gets us to in a state of like, oh, I need to take care of this right now. And we <laughs> pull out our credit cards, we log into our bank accounts, and we give people things that we wouldn't normally give them. Yeah, you know, it, it's it, it and it comes surreptitiously. You know, when I used to be uh, a doctor in my office, I had staff that used to do a lot of the banking for me and a lot of the things with that. And one day, a we couldn't get into our account properly, and another page came up. And so, my staff member that was doing this thought this was strange. So she went to the bank, and the bank said, oh, that's okay. Just put your information in there. And sure enough, 20 minutes later, money started oh. going from my account. Now, we had to raise cane and argue with the bank and so on about getting our money. And finally, it had to go to the highest echelons before they uh, reimbursed us for this. Uh -huh. But it was it was terrible because even the bank was sucked in by it. Yeah, uh, the good thing is banks have definitely uh, gotten much better about it. Uh, a good story I have is that uh, my wife is uh, from Singapore, and as with a lot of the Eastern culture, custom is to send money to parents and family members for holidays and whatnot. And uh, the local bank that I work with didn't do international transfers, and so I 
went down to my local big bank that uh, would do international transfers, deposited some money, waited a couple of days for it clear, and then set up a, a wire transfer to a family in Singapore. And the next day I got a phone call from the bank saying, hey, we, we, we noticed you just set up a bank account and just started sending money to someone overseas. How do you know this person? I'm like, oh, it's, it's, it's you know, my wife's family. Well, ha have you met them? Like, why are you sending the money? Are you sure it's the right account? And I, it, I was kind of annoyed with the process, but at the same time, I was delighted the bank was actually watching out for people. And rather than just saying, ah, you want to send money, go ahead and send it. They're actually starting to act in the interest of consumers and call and ask questions, which is a really good thing to do when you think you're part of a scam. Ask questions. Well, that's huge. And I, I think people have to realize that uh, sometimes people come up with these barriers to getting things done, but it's in your best interest because there are scams are, are terribly common. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I once I was talking to a one of the people on my credit card and they said, you know, one out of four transactions is a scam transaction. Oh. You know, that was scary. Now, I'm sure it's improved since that time because they put more uh, protections on credit cards and things like that. But could you imagine trying to do business when one out of four is a scam? Uh, th that's why they charge such high fees to everybody, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It, it, It's horrible to, to think that there's so much scams going on. And the unfortunate thing is it's not, you know, the day that we're recording is there's one set of scams and even if this episode airs a week later, there's a whole new set of scams that have come out that are different. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's scary. I mean, all of us have, have seen the African scams of, of, you know, somebody writing you and they want to move money from one account to another and they need you to help them. Uh, I, I think the biggest problem there is you have to question why they're asking you if if they've got this huge amount of money and they are they sure, certainly shouldn't be randomly reaching out to you or you have this long lost uncle over in Europe uh, that is wanting to give you money and stuff like that. Why is well, he giving me money? Doesn't he have any family there? <laughs> they've heard great things about you online and know that you have noble character. Yeah, right. There's yeah. Play, playing to your ego. Okay. And, and you and you look at a lot of the things. The first tip off, I think, is there's spelling mistakes in, in a lot of these. And that that to me is always a big tip off. Or it's bad English. Yes. Or the person's located in Nigeria, you know. Those are big tip offs to me. The the interesting thing is that I've I've heard from people that have done some research on this. They have found that in some cases the scammers are intentionally using bad English. And, and you and I would sit there and go, why in the world would, would they be doing that? That just makes them easier to identify. The whole point is that you and I look at it and we see the bad English and we are immediately going to not fall for it. If we ended up getting on the phone with the person and starting to communicate, we would probably figure it out pretty quick that, oh, this is a scam. And they've now wasted their time dealing with you and I. They're dealing with people that are, they're trying to get people that are looking beyond the spelling, not thinking about it, not being critical, the people that are essentially letting themselves be more vulnerable. And that's who they're targeting, not you and I. 
Yeah, for sure. And, I, I, I don't. I don't know if that's true. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's something that I, I. I still will always be leery if a person doesn't take the time even to put the proper English together. Yes. And, yes. And, and that, <laughs> as we that, should. As we should. You know, these programs are everywhere to give you the proper grammar. So why shouldn't you be using it? You know. Yep. But still, I mean, I've received emails that look that look so much like they came from my bank. The the English was perfect. The formatting was perfect. You know, everything with except without an appropriate account number or, or without an appropriate name. And it was a, a number of times where it's like, oh, let me call the bank. I'm, I'm never going to click on the email, but let me call the bank. And they're like, no, we didn't send you that email. And I'm like, wow, that yeah. is a, that's a good one. Yeah. And, and in Canada, we keep getting these scams that there's that uh, there's this is the police calling because you violated this law or this law or, uh, you know, you, you this is the Internal Revenue Service phoning because you violated this law. And those, you know, sometimes I'll get five or six calls a day from phone numbers in around my community or in my community with these things. I can picture how an older person can totally be scammed by this. Yep. And, and again, it, it, it triggers back into what we were talking about before. There's that urgency of, well, if you don't take care of this right now, you know, the cop's going to come knocking on your door and take you away. And I'm an official of the government. So you need to listen to me. It's the authority, the emotion, uh, the urgency, and it just pushes us to comply. We're, we're wired that way for, in society. Yeah, I, I think that's huge that people have to realize that there are things that happen and that a lot of these scams are based on the fact that you have to be very, very aware of the situation and you have to be susceptible to it. So yeah. don't let it happen. Yeah, it, it's always one of those things, you know, when someone is urgent, slow them down. If they're a legitimate bill collector or it's a legitimate issue, They'll slow down and wait with you, you know, talk to family members, get someone else's opinion before you ever give anyone else money. Yeah, I'll always ask. And and I think people are a little bit leery of asking because they don't want to be embarrassed. They don't want to be ashamed by it. But I, I think that's how you, you make a lot of headway and, and you truly keep yourself out of trouble or you be at least become more knowledgeable about things before before you move forward. Yep. And there's there's definitely within the like the romance scams is when they start building of the relationship, they actively work to separate their target from their family and friends. They will they'll start saying, well, you know, they they don't want us to be together. That they, they don't understand us. They don't have your best interests at heart. And they actually work to distance their targets away from their friends and family. Yeah, I, I think that's that's true. And uh, as you said, the very fact that they could have a room full of people that are listening into the conversation and making sure the supervisor's checking about it is is a scary prospect because that is is the same thing that happens when a timeshare salesman is trying to get you to buy a timeshare. Mm -hmm. uh, I was just at one of those presentations recently, and I, I do own some timeshares that I love. And the, the, they wanted me there to 
upgrade my knowledge on the timeshare. Well, it had nothing to do with upgrading. They wanted me to buy more points. And so I, a lot of it came down to knowing where they were going with it yeah. before I even signed on the line. Because, uh, you know, first you say no to one and then another person comes in and you have to say no to another person. And then another person comes in and you got to say no to the third person. I, I mean, they tried to wear you down with all this until you finally say yes. Yep. And I don't want to say that necessarily that timeshares are a scam, but <laughs> like the techniques the scammers use, they're the same techniques that, that, that are used in sales. They're just used to so much of a degree more than sales organizations would use. Yeah, I think that's true. And I, I think people have to uh, realize that, uh, we're all susceptible under the right or wrong circumstances mm -hmm. uh, for that to happen. For example, if you're stressed, uh, you're going to let things happen. If you're, if you're doing things quickly, things are going to happen. So you have to realize that you're, you can be more susceptible. And remember, if somebody is offering you a true value, something they'll wait for you to come on. They, yep. They're they not going to insist that you buy yesterday, you know? Yeah, one of the stories that I've heard that kind of uh, agrees with that point is that it used to be that con men would look through the obituaries to find people who had a relative who just died, knowing that they're an emotionally fragile state, and they would go after them with their con, knowing that, well, they're, they're already... They've got so much going on. Their emotions are already so spent. They've got a way in where they can take advantage of someone. Not yeah. so much these days, but they're 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 pretty evil in a sense. You know, and it's true. I I remember one of those scams was uh, when somebody had just passed away uh, back in the twenties. Somebody, I, I forget the name of the movie, but the the person would come up and say, oh, your husband ordered this Bible for you and it had your your name in it and you need to, all you have to do is pay here, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, totally a scam, but, you know, based on people's emotions and guilt. Yeah. And also that like, well, I want, oh gosh, there's this positive memory. My, my loved one was doing this for me. How could I not pay for it? Yeah. And, and that's where the scam comes in, because you're willing to accept that. You're willing to accept that would happen. And I, I oh, the movie was called Nickelodeon, by the way. So <laughs> inter interesting concept and interesting times. Uh, definitely not a kid's show. Definitely not a kid's show. <laughs> no. So, so Chris, this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life Show. How do you... Um, Let's put it this way. How do you live a fantastic life in view of the fact that there's so many scams going on out there? I, I think part of it is, you know, doing the podcast that I do that, you know, I've been in a business. My company makes enough money that I can afford to uh, run a podcast and educate people uh, on my own dime and trying to think about other people um, from a Christian perspective. <laughs> You know, one of the things that I've wrestled with in my business is praying for my business to do better. 
I always kind of felt like, oh, that, that just that just doesn't feel right. You know, praying praying for my business to be more profitable. Yeah, I want to help people. Okay, and so my wife and I talked about it, and we we started we kind of changed the paradigm in the sense that, hey, we want to give to we want to give a set amount of money to charity, and in order to do that, we need to pray for the business to be profitable in order that we can help other people. And so I think for me, that's been kind of one of my, that perspective has been kind of one of my guiding lights is, is looking at, you know, part of what makes me happy and what helps me to have a wonderful life, an amazing life is giving to other people and helping the people around me. Uh, I know that I've, you know, whether it's the resources that I've earned that I can give back, or it's the knowledge that I've learned uh, about scams that I can help that can share with people and give back. To me, that has really that helps you know helps me sleep at night, helps me to enjoy what I do when I feel like it has an impact more than just for myself. That's huge. Now, here is the flip side of that question. You know, we've got a lot of listeners out there, and they are wondering how they can have a fantastic life in view of the fact there's so many scams out there. I, I think it's it, it ties back to that like. We don't want to live our lives paranoid. We don't want to be afraid that uh, every knock on the door <laughs> is some bad person. Every phone call from a number that we don't know is someone trying to steal money from us. I think it's just a matter of being aware that those things are out there, slowing down, and, and you know, not getting flustered when things happen. You know, we don't have to. There, there's, there's no. Uh, there's no social contract saying that when your phone rings that you have to answer the phone and have a conversation with it. If it's something important, they're going to they're gonna leave a message. Uh, same thing with someone showing up at your door. You know, there, there's we don't we don't we, we've created a lot of social contracts uh, that make us feel obligated. We don't need to be obligated to those things. I think we want to take care of people. We want to be around our friends and family. And I think that's part of it is just not uh, uh, not letting ourselves get caught up in the scams. Yeah, as I, as, as I said, in the wrong susceptible situation, all of us can get scammed. Yeah. So don't go there. Yeah. <laughs> don't go go there. And, and that's important. Now, knowing what you know now, mm -hmm. what advice would you give a younger version of yourself if you met them on the street? Uh, it's, it's probably advice that uh, a business coach gave me a few years ago is uh, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, that I'm really trying to be in that perspective of uh, push my boundaries on the things that I do, uh, learn to do things that are not it's nice and easy to say, oh, I'm just going to do things that I like to do. Well, you're never going to find out what other things you might like to do if you don't try new things. Um, you know, being a guest on podcasts, starting a podcast uh, were things that I found very challenging, but I've had a ton of enjoyment out of it. And I've met some amazing people by doing that. And I never would have done that without that, uh, without that mindset of doing things that are uncomfortable. Let's kind of explore your boundaries, figure out what's beyond what you normally do in your day-to-day -day life. Yeah, I think that's huge. And I think uh, you have to uh, explore your boundaries. And I've always said that life begins at the 
edge of your comfort zone. Oh, I totally agree with that. So I think that is something you need to be aware of. Yep. And, and, and to me, like doing things for other people, like I think it's a very, the U.S. and Canada are very Western culture. We think a lot about ourselves and start with ourselves and work out. Uh, sometimes it's fun to uh, start on the outside and work in. Yeah, I think so. Well, Chris, we're almost at the end of our time already. So how can people find out more about the things that you offer and your website and your podcast? Yep, uh, definitely. You can visit whatismyipaddress.com if you're interested in privacy and security uh, things, topics. And if you're interested in learning more about scams and how not to fall victim to the scams, you can find the Easy Prey podcast on any podcast platform or go to easyprey.com. Well, that's huge. Well, thank you so much for, for being here today. And thank you for sharing with us. I, I think uh, there is so much here that you've shared with us that everybody should be paying attention to it. Alan, thank you so much. It's been a blast talking with you. Well, thank you again. And um, everybody in the audience, uh, I hope you have a fantastic day. Be sure to check back often as we have a lot of interesting guests. And have a fantastic day. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic.